<laughs> we will plow through all of these questions by God's grace. So I want to start off with this question in regards to the nation of Islam and the black Hebrew lights. It says here, what do nation of Islam and black Hebrew lights have in common that draw a lot of black men into their faith compared to Christianity? What do nation of Islam and black Hebrew lights have in common? My bro, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, nation of Islam is a black separatist movement. Um, it's a movement that felt the need to separate from other institutions and even separate a nation. So nation of Islam, it literally wants to separate from everything else. Mm. The black Hebrew Israelites are also a separatist movement. They are not, they don't um, subscribe to Judaism, nor Christianity, nor Islam. They have a self-generated theology and all of their theologies um, are very anti-white, very strongly anti-white. Um, Black Hebrew Israelites believe that they're the true Israelites. Um, and so again, Israelites and Judaism is two completely different things. So where I showed in the slides the previous days, I, I showed that Japheth actually had Jews as well, uh, which are the Ashkenazi Jews. Yeah. Judaism is a religion, but Israel is a nation. And so there's a big difference between the two. They believe they are the true um, Israelites. So they mix, um, I'm talking about the black Hebrew Israelites, uh, they mix anti-Semitism, which is um, hostility to Jews. They mix that with conspiracy and focus on social justice. Um, oh. And so they're, they're, yeah, their street preaching is insulting. They call white Jews the devil and all of that kind of stuff. I think that's Revelations 9 6 or Revelations 3 6, it talks about the synagogue of Satan and some, yeah, you know, they, they use that a lot. So, um, that's that's basically the, the things that they both have in common. They're both anti white, um, and they go against them, um, heavily. Obviously, not all of them are, um, it's not an exclusively violent movement, not all of them are violent, and I think it'll be wrong to um, generalize all of them like that, but they that's what they do have in common, that's where they meet, you know, that anti white situation. Okay, and the, and, and the follow up was that it draws a lot of black men into their faith compared to Christianity. That's an interesting, um, natural, um, you know, um, judgment to make. What do you what do you what do you think about that? I know I've got some thoughts on that still. <laughs> I personally think just like I was an atheist, anything that looked like a white religion, yeah, I would have I wouldn't have subscribed to it because it's not what I would identify with. Um, and so yeah, I guess that's why a lot of people wouldn't come to Christianity because they believe that it's a white man's religion. And then obviously the black Hebrew Israelites are giving you something for your identity. I identify with black skin. I identify with this pain and they connect with that pain and, and speak on that pain and, and fellowship in that pain. And because they do that, there's a relatability. It's the same reason people join gangs. There's a relatability. We all have something in common. And so I think that's why a lot of people would um, subscribe to black Hebrew Israelites. I mean, there's there's varying factors. Yeah. Um, the church don't really speak about, you know, skin tones and stuff as well. And it's like, <laughs> I want this. I want this understanding who I am when it's when it comes to my outward outward appearance. But I don't know. I you got anything to add there. Yeah, I, I think um, looking at it, especially as somebody that runs a men's Christian men's organization, I feel 
um, the part you touched on where it speaks to, to their pain is probably one of the most, the most powerful drawings that actually allow the nation of Islam and black Hebrewites to actually to draw a lot of men in. I feel there's a masculinity that's in that um, in those religions that appeal to us, that give us some sort of framework or language to what we subconsciously feel or what or, or, in regards to how culture has defined what men are, that kind of feeds that and it gives us some sort of righteous cause that actually now benefits us in the, in the afterlife. <laughs> you know, what better way to live, you understand kind of thing. So I feel like those are the are the drawing factors, you know. Christianity has this thing of where it, it, it's, it's almost like, um, well, depending on how the gospel is preached, it's, 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 it's attacking the very thing that you're trying to, like, savage yourself in. <laughs> and it's telling you, take that away and take this thing. And at the same time, depending on how they encounter it with a context, they may be presented to a Jesus who they feel is weak, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spoke to a lot of guys, especially guys that come from the road, I've got to say, their perception of Christianity was that you Christian men are weak, you're passive, like, yeah. you don't, you know what I mean? There's just this, you're yeah. flowery, you know what I mean? You're yeah. soft, you're like, you know what I mean? Kind of, so what appealing to them, they thought they had to lose essence of their of their strength to be a Christian, they had to become weak and feeble and, and passive. So I feel those sort of um, connotations add to how people perceive what it is and therefore reject it based on, you know, perception. Absolutely, absolutely. Literally, so, yeah, something that I'll work hard on to kind of, present the Jesus that is actually fully Jesus, you know, lion and lamb. <laughs> Not one or the other. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah bro. Bro. We, we, we literally have to strip away a lot of the kind of misconceptions people have about Jesus. Like, bro, the guy, the guy was, he was a bad boy. Like, if we're going to look at it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're going to be... Whipping, <laughs> whipping, whipping Pharisees, bro. You know what I'm saying, bro? <laughs> Yeah. real talk literally yeah man and I, I, and then i guess is 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 even how people interpret what it means to be gracious you know what i mean and and the world has a has a has a narrative of like they took my kindness for weakness you know what i mean kind of thing so if 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 you if you have a, if you hear faith talk about turn the other cheek and about don't return evil for evil automatically in our sinful nature we're going to hear we're going to that's that's weak <laughs> If a man touches me, he's getting touched. You know what I mean, kind of thing. So there's this, there's these narratives that that Christianity is so revolutionary in its in its thought process and perception that it kind of makes people think that no, if I become that, uh, therefore I no longer can be myself. So you know what? Yeah, maybe the Hebrews and the Islam allow people to stay as they are and then give them a context to to channel it in through. Yeah. It doesn't require change in a, in a sense of whereby they can lose certain values that are obviously not. What reflect um, um, don't reflect righteousness, but can, but it's about exhibited as righteousness based on what they teach. Yeah, Christianity is offensive to yourself. Yeah. Like where Jesus says, "Deny yourself," he's literally saying, "Deny your self-centeredness." You know, <laughs> deny your deny your self-ideal, deny your self-worship, deny yourself, and commit to a higher cause, which is God. And mm. a lot of us don't want to deny the pain that we've been through to submit to a God who says, "Forgive." Yes. you know and that's hard that's really, <laughs> really hard to do really you know and I, I think that's why men in the kingdom i'm saying this flat mm. out i think christian guys bro mm. that christianity kills your pride i think mm. christian men mm. it, like bro it is like i think manhood based mm. on christianity is true manhood if you yeah. can 
submit yourself to a higher cause. Yeah. You know, like that's a big thing for men. That's a huge thing for men. You know, we're, we're literally alpha males. Like we want dominance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. anything that, that, that offends you and says, listen, you're lower than, bow yeah. down, reverence. Yeah. That's yeah. offensive to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Now, 100%. Yeah. A thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand percent. It, it goes back to the original sin, in it? In regards to like, even like when, when, when John talks about, you know, pride of life, you know what I'm saying? And and and, 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 and the sin of the flesh and loss of the eye. It kind of, kind of like, because as you're talking, it's just like, right, you know what, yeah? At the core of sin and like the worship, which is, which is the worship of self, there's this thing of like, right, pride is the chief motivator. Always the only thing that will not allow me to see anything wrong with me. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and as men, that's probably one of our, you know, our greatest downfalls when it comes to how we see ourselves and how we even define being masculine. You know what I mean? We, we're right, we're the head, we're the lead kind of thing. Therefore, we're kind of like above reproach, which is obviously a false, um, um, a false narrative. So, yeah, Christianity is a pride killer. Yeah, and so I think obviously nation of Islam, black Hebrew Israelites, they feed into that pain that you have. Mm. Um, they allow that pain to become wisdom and then let that pain mentor you. And yeah. then you can use that pain and project it back at people. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're literally like a flamethrower. You're just, you're ready <laughs> for anything. Um, so yeah, I think that's what it, it does. It caters towards your anger. It gives you it gives you an outlet for the yes. cause, um, personally, I believe. That's it, yeah, no. 100% kind of kind of narrow kind of kind of mirrors what the what Jesus spoke about with the whole false prophets in in the in Matthew 24 where it starts off like in regards to your love growing wax cold and then it goes on to like you know brother against brother there's this narrative of where you know a false prophet that's the thing about a false prophet the thing that he speaks here speaks to us because it's real but it's not truth it's reality it's experience but it's not the, the, it's not it's not God's perspective on what actually is. Therefore, it's easy to deceive people because right, I can relate with what this false prophet is telling me because his experience is my experience. You know what I mean, kind of thing. And therefore, you know what I mean. Yeah, literally. So it, 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 it once again, it's the, it's the heart. You know what I mean, the breeding ground of where how you handle offense, how you handle pain, how you handle you know life experiences that are negative, and whoever can speak to pain will will drive your life. You know what I mean, kind of thing. So. So yeah, man, that's really that's really powerful. So I hope that answers your question, whoever it was. Um, next one was well, you kind of touched on it already, actually. Know what did Black Hebrew rights actually believe? You kind of touched that a lot. Um, or do you want to go into that a bit? Well, obviously, they believe that they're the true Israelites. They yeah. believe that the twelve tribes of Israel were people of color. Uh, which I kind of explained a little bit in the first yeah. session. Um, they also believe that it's not just black people, it's the Hispanics, it's the native Native Americans that are as well. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They believe the, okay. the Hispanics are involved as well. Um, anyone of color, basically. Then anyone of color, anyone that's yeah, any 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 ethnic group, then they they believe that they're the true Israelites, um, and they believe that the current Jews are doing identity theft. Um, and also, yeah, they take that Deuteronomy scripture, which is Deuteronomy 28, uh, 15 to 60 somewhere. I can't remember, but they take that, the one where it's talking about the curses. It is so interesting. If you actually read through Deuteronomy 28, let me see if I can get it up now. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna, to, oh, <laughs> can I share my screen? I want to share my screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. I'm going to read through it with us. 
And let's just kind of apply this scripture to black people just to see how interesting this is. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, okay, I've shared it. All right, it reads, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and degre to decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. So they believe these are the curses that fell upon black people. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basking and your netting trowel will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion and rebuke in everything you put your hand to. So this is talking about black people being in places like politics and, you know, in corporate, but they're just not be being able to rise up. Um, mm. So the Lord will send on you curses, confusion and rebuke in everything you put your hands to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until um, he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease. All right, now let's get down to this bit here. <laughs> Verse 23, the sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. So they believe that this is talking about us being in prison cells. Yeah, so till this day, blacks are the most incarcerated all over the world. So the sky um, over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. This is talking about, you know, like Africa, we have the red dust, the dust yeah. road, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. There's a very interest, and you will become a, a thing of hor horror to the, all the kingdoms on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> And they believe that how when white people get afraid of black people is because we're a horror. This is the plague the Lord has put upon us. We're, we're everyone's afraid of black people now. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's continue. Where's the next one? The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of minds. So they talk about mental health and black people and how a lot of them are crazy and all that type of stuff. Yeah, right. Watch this. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. This is talking about slavery. Mm -hmm. they slavery. Yeah, slavery yeah. Where, where our black women were taken and raped by white men. Yeah. You will build a house, but will not live in it. So we build houses for the masters and the masters live in them. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even begin to enjoy its fruit. That's again, planting the crops, doing the cotton, all that type of stuff. And we can't enjoy it. All right. Uh, let's see what else is here. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation. So when the slave masters would take the children and they'd never see their children again, your sons and daughters will be given to another nation and you will wear out your eyes watching, the, watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. So you've given birth to a child. The slave master takes the child and you keep on looking out, weeping for your child to come back. And, you know what I mean? Watch this. Um, a people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. <laughs> okay. The sights you see will drive you mad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, watch this. The Lord will drive you and the king you set over you to a, to a nation unknown to your ancestors. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You will become a thing of horror, a byword, 
and an object of ridicule among all the peoples where the Lord will drive you. You will become a thing of horror, a byword. So this is where they say that this is where they call us Negroes, Mandingos, Blacks, Afros, all these different words that we have to define who we are. That's a byword. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So interesting. You keep on going through this and you'll keep on finding, wait, this could actually speak about black people. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so they've yeah. looked at this. Watch this. The foreigner who resides among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. Talking about white people. They, they say this is talking about white people. And you can look at it and say, this is definitely talking about white people. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head and you will be the tail. <laughs> mad, mad, mad. I love it. I love it. <laughs> It is, it's, it's so interesting. However, so they say that obviously the curse of Ham is is this this is what's happened to us. Um, okay. Let me just see if there's any more here before I, I, I land. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. All right. Therefore, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke around your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against from you far away from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down a nation whose language you will not understand. A fierce nation, a fierce looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. They mm. will devour you and your livestock. So, okay, we can see where this is going, right? Yes, yeah? we can. Sir. Yes, we can. <laughs> if you look deep in this, there's a scripture. I can't find it. Um, and I know I'm going to be here for too long to try and find it. Um, but there's a scripture here which basically shows you why it's not talking about black people. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to find it right now. But essentially, I wanted to show that. Um, let me just jump off of that now. And if I do find it, I'll come back to it. Okay. Essentially, I wanted to um, show that to show this is what the black Hebrew Israelites look at that, that Deuteronomy scripture and they tie it to the transatlantic slave trade. Um, so they say that we suffered under divine punishment by God because of our disobedience. Um, and the only way that black people will be cured if, is if they take on the black Hebrew Israelites ideology. Is that what you see what I'm saying? So right. they see white people as the reason for the slave trade, but they also tie their disobedience to being punished by God. And um, basically, if you accept the black Hebrew Israelite teaching, then you'll get back into God's good graces. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's very interesting um, how they view it. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's very T interesting. TK said something. I'm going to say something after. It's funny how the Hebrewites will use this passage to identify themselves and yet fail to point out that it is God who is doing this doing this to us because of disobedience and not necessarily because of the white man. Clearly the way to reverse the curse is to repent, right? That was from Brother TK, Dick and TK, sorry. Whoa. I've got I have got a thought and there's a thought okay. that it's a, um say that again. No, go on, go on, I'm listening. I, I've got a thought. Uh, there's a question I want to ask you. So me, me, me and my bro were having some real talk. Oh, I don't know when it was. It must have been during quarantine. And we sat down, like, he's a, he's a pastor as well. It was just like, it's just, I was like, bro, like, big man thing out here, like, like, black people are suffering everywhere. I think, it's, I think it's when the China thing came out about Ghanaians in, 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 um, yeah. in And what is that? Like, like, what is it be conspiracy for something? But like, is there something here that we need to look at that's spiritual? <laughs> <laughs> about black people across the world because there's a pattern that we're seeing and and, and we're, we're both honest we're both like I got to a point where I thought you know what this perpetual 
um, what, what to call it, oppression, maybe I can use that word, on blacks, like, is is everywhere, bro. Like, every continent on this planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I found out about the Argentina thing end of last year, about why there are no blacks in Argentina, because they pretty much just killed them all in one city, literally. Like, and I was thinking that everywhere they went, there's, there's this thing where black people are under pressure. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, is this a spiritual thing? You know, Curse of Ham started to become a bit more uh, intriguing, <laughs> is the word that I even use. Because it's like, actually reading that, reading, reading that chapter, yeah, even though it's not about black people, it's very convincing to see the mirrors of, of descriptions of what, what, what you just read versus, mm -hmm. you know, what we actually are experiencing right now in 2020. You understand? So I, I'm just throwing it out there. This, this, this is the kind of like, you know, thoughts that I've had, had and the conversation I had where I was like, you know what? You know, like, is 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 the can can we argue that there's a spiritual premises to what's happening with black people, or are we just being a bit too emotional about our thinking about what you know, like? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we actually have to realize there is an enemy. Yes. Um, and I do think that obviously he does want to cause disunity amongst the races, although there isn't a race. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I do think it is spiritual. Um, mm. I think if we look at just the occultic ways that everyone was worshipping back in the days, the yeah. thought to, you know, have slaves and take black slaves and oppress them isn't, that's a demonic thing. Yeah. People are treated as if you're not human. That's a demonic thing, bro. That's yeah. that's that's a loss of humanity. You're not yeah. regarding a person's humanity here. Yeah. So I definitely think it is spiritual. Like when I go France, for example, why is it always the guys who are on the side selling the things of the black people and they're, you know what I mean? Or the ones that sell the weed in Spain and all that type of stuff. Yeah. The beach, they've got the sunglasses. Why is it always? Always, black? yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it, does, it does cause you to ask these kind of questions. Um, yeah. I think the oppression that we experienced, um, it really, really done a lot to us as people. Um, bro, unfortunately, I'm still figuring it out myself. <laughs> I can say this, the reason why I guess the Christian way of thinking is, is, is the safest way is because we know we're not under a curse no more That's in Christ, true. if there That's was a curse, yeah, if there was, if yeah. we're not under that no more, which means that we can reverse the effects if there ever was, we can start a new lineage if there ever was a curse, you know, yeah. the generational curses break with us as soon as we're in Christ, yeah. that's whether we renew our minds or not. So yeah. if there is a curse of Ham, if there yeah. is, if, <laughs> then as a, Christian, as a Christian man, we can reverse those effects. We can reverse any generational curse that we receive from our parents, mm. from mm. our ancestors. It all, it all stops with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. And so, unfortunately, yeah, you can look at the skin tone and see the oppression around the world and, and think. And yeah, I guess the curse of Ham will become more appealing. Appealing, 100%. Once again, yeah. it's speaking to my pain, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, once again, yeah, so... And, and, and sometimes I think that's one thing that I had to even um, reconcile, especially when I went through my whole um, church hurt madness, was that I went through a, a time where there was the pain of my experience or what I went through, and then there was the truth. And I had to, sometimes as a Christian, especially if you're religious, you sometimes try to pin pain versus truth, where it should be, you know, processing your pain with the truth. And I think that's where I'm at with what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, the question I'm asking. Like you just said, we are approaching with the Christian thinking. We're actually going to process what we see and then see what God has to say about it, which is, well, in, in Christ, <laughs> you have been redeemed from the curse of the Lord, Galatians 3, 
13, I think. So literally there, so there's obviously a way out if there ever was that case, like I was really saying. And I think it's key that um, we we actually do process our pain of what we actually see with the truth about what God has actually said. So now, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I want to bring that scripture back up. If you could bring that scripture back up on the board, please. I just want to read from verse 64. I want to show you something. Okay. Verse 64 reads, again, this is speaking to our pain, transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. Then the Lord will scatter you among all nations from one end of the earth to another. Mm -hmm. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations, you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary and longing and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning, you will say, if only it were evening. And in the evening, if only it were morning, because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see. The Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey I said you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. Again, <laughs> the scripture speaks to our pain. It speaks to our pain. But if you look very closely at the scriptures, you'll realize that it's not really talking about our present circumstance. A lot of the times we can take spiritual situations and say the Bible is timeless and apply it to our present day. Yeah. But unless the Lord has spoken to you specifically about a book in the Old Testament, it's not really talking to you. It's talking to the people of the context. Yeah. Um, and so we're not Israelites. We're not under the law no more. So we're not cursed under the law because Jesus Christ became a curse for us, you know. And so I think we need to take that context in. You can look at these scriptures and apply them and say, yeah, they, they very much do identify with my black with the black experience yeah. but i tell you not to run away with what you've seen but gather so many different theological thoughts and then come to your own decision yeah. um but regardless as we know christian faith isn't a faith that is 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 potentially focused upon a race as such it's That's on a right. nation That's right. and so this was a nation it wasn't a race it wasn't black people it was a nation do you know yeah. what i mean and so we need, to take that, we need to take that into account as well. Yeah, that's really good stuff. That literally clears it all up, literally. <laughs> In the same chapter that they used against it, literally. Powerful. Thank you, bro. Um, next question. Um, I've been, um, how would you respond to someone that says that black Christians have been brainwashed by the white man? <laughs> how would you respond to someone who says that black Christians have been brainwashed by the white man? I wouldn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd refer them to the past three videos personally. <laughs> I'd tell them to watch the past three. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's wise to debate with people. Uh, more time when people debate, it pushes them away from the gospel. Um, do you know what I mean? I think a lot of our our religious debates and stuff, although like you feel like, yeah, I won that debate really and truly, you lost the war because the person's their heart hasn't been pushed closer towards truth most of the time. So I wouldn't debate personally or respond to someone who would say something like that. I'd ask them questions. Here's a principle that Jesus used to do. People would ask Jesus questions and Jesus would respond back with a question like, whose face is on this coin? 
Do you know what I mean? And Jesus, Jesus, like Jesus wouldn't respond with, oh, it's Caesar's. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he'd yeah. respond back with something else. They'll say, oh, John the Baptist's, um, um, John the Baptist's baptism, is it from heaven or is it from like, and Jesus would always respond back with a question. If you check it, I haven't got them in my memory bank right yeah. now. Every single time someone challenged him, he answered back with a question. He didn't answer directly. Yeah. And the reason being is the questions that you throw back at a person causes them to reflect as opposed to get the answers from you. And that's the healthiest way to kind of gauge people when it comes to these conversations. How uh, you've been brainwashed by, by a white man. Why do you think I've been brainwashed by a white man? Let yeah. them expand, then ask them another question. Oh, so you believe in this person then who spoke like that? Yeah, yeah. I do. Why do you believe in them? Let yeah. them continue to answer and answer. And then they'll reach a point where you can just, bah, okay, I got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. the healthiest way to get people in that area. So that's good. No, I, 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 I'm going to ask as well. What if this isn't a debate context and, and someone that generally he actually believes that, and you know, maybe they're even your friend <laughs> and asking you about, you know, you've been brainwashed or whatnot. And I think what you just gave there is a really powerful, um, healthy, uh, um, discourse way of responding that actually allows there to be a fruit to what's yeah. being discussed here where the person's actually been able to be checked on what they're actually asking to actually realize, do you know what you're actually saying? And based on what you're saying, how and why have you got to the conclusion which will allow you to now expound upon what's really being get at here? So yeah, definitely. I'll, get I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. Someone came to me and said, oh, you know, if God is love, why does he send people to hell? And I said to them, who told you God is love? And they said, oh, wait, wait, isn't this what all you Christians believe? And I said, yeah, it is what we believe. Yeah. And I said, but it's funny, the same person that you say is love, like Jesus is the one who taught us God is love. Yeah. And then at the same flip side, Jesus is the only one who spoke about hell. Paul didn't speak about it. You know, yeah. John didn't speak about it. None of, none of them spoke about it in the epistles. Only Jesus spoke about it. So if the same one who told us God is love is the same one who tells us about hell, yeah. are you picking and choosing yeah. what you want from this person? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And just asking the question back throws people into a place of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I was on the attack. Yeah. Who told you God is love? Well, wait, don't you believe that? And it puts them on the back foot. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you fire with fire, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. When you throw yeah. questions at people, they become defenseless. Yeah. Then it's like you've got them. Do you know what I mean? So I say, yeah. yeah definitely. definitely. That's good, man. That's good, guys. Guys, don't debate discourse. Yeah. Discourse, man. Literally. No, that's good. That's really good. How the next question is. Um, how do we engage in conversations about why Christianity is not a white man's religion when so many believe that it is and that colonialism introduced it to us? Pretty yeah, much. Sorry, how do we engage? How do we engage in conversations about why Christianity is not a white man's religion when so many believe that it is and that colonialism introduced it to us? Kind of. Answer in a previous question. Yeah, I think I thought like we just answered that. Yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the colonialism part we've kind of broken down <laughs> in these last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that came about. So next question. Um, it has been said that Augustine of Hippo is the most influential early church father. Can you shed a bit of light on what made him achieve that title? Augustine. 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 <laughs> uh, church. <laughs> early church is so interesting um augustine off the top of my memory uh he was born in algeria his mum was a christian but he actually wasn't a believer 
um, he was, oh, is it Markanism? I can't remember. Basically, he was following this religion which believes in the light and the darkness. Okay. Um, yeah, and he believed that evil existed outside of space and something weird like that. But he was around basically during the medieval period, so like in the late Roman period, um, and he helped develop um, Western Christianity. So when Rome became involved with Christianity, he was one of the main people involved in that. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, City of God or Augustine's Confessions. I'll tell you to check those out. Um, and yeah, so he, he was involved with the building of the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, yeah, so he was involved with that. I think his concept was he that loves that which is loved and love. So he that loves is the father, that which is loved is the son, and love is the spirit that connects the, the, the two of them. It's the spiritual relational aspect between the father and the son. And that's what we've received into relationship with God. You know, we have the spirit that cries out of a father. That's the relational side. Um, I shouldn't say side because that sounds modalism. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Aspect, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, yeah, he wrote those types of books. So he wrote the book City of God, which speaks about kind of understanding that the church is both a community in heaven and a community on earth. So it's that concept of we're sat in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, mm. whilst also being on earth. You know, our spirits are up there with Christ, but we're in earth right now. So there's this dualism. Yeah. We, we're in a transcended yeah. state, um, yeah. is what Augustine believed. He also spoke about the um, ex nihilo, which is God creating out of nothing. Yeah. So he he didn't believe that. So he kind of brought this um, aspect that God doesn't create evil. What okay. what is evil? You know, like God doesn't have that wrath side of him in 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 essence. Um, yeah. Or was it Oregon? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think, no, he he didn't believe that um, God created evil and it's not uh, possible. God God's not responsible for evil happening in the earth. So God is good and evil doesn't exist um, by itself. But e evil exists because there is a lack of good, for example, if that makes sense. Yeah. God didn't create it. God is good. But because evil isn't a created ent entity, it's just the lack of good. Because okay. God is good. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so we kind of have that whole concept. So when people say that God punishes, for example, because punishment is an act of evil, mm. it's like God isn't punishing. No, you're punishing yourself. It's self-punishment. Do you get? Yeah. And so God isn't punishing anyone, but people are self-damned, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. he has all those interesting different like concepts. Um, he also believed in predestination. So people like John Calvin and Martin Luther build yeah. off build off of his predestination. So Calvinism actually yeah. began with Augustine. Mm. And then Augustine was also married, but he believed he thought that sex was sinful, so he remained celibate. Um <laughs> These guys need some stuff, you know. We're <laughs> going through it, bro. Um, <laughs> Confessions is an interesting book because it really shows that he he fully saw himself as a sinner saved by grace. Like, so he's yeah. a, he's a very interesting person. But the doctrine of the Trinity, predestination, creation out of nothing, God's God's um, God being a good God. Um, mm. Augustine was the one to kind of begin those thoughts, and then it later got expanded upon with the other fathers. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've I've got his confessions books. I, I I think I've read through it only a bit of it. 
Like literally, yeah, man. He's got, he's he's an interesting um, um individual to say the least. That's the first time I heard about that celibate and and wife thing. Still, oh, I don't know who inspired him to think that, bro. But yeah, <laughs> Kenny wasn't reading Paul's writing, bro. But anyway, shout <laughs> Uh, what are the possible reasons for white people disregarding the notion that everyone came from being black? Why is that an issue to cover up? <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Go uh, into the deep end. Jeez. Um. <laughs> Obviously, I, I, I can't remember the woman's name. There's this white woman who speaks on race and she's like, oh, if you would love to be a black person, raise your hand and know all the white people in the audience. Oh, yeah. What's her name with glasses? Oh, yeah, crap. Yeah, she, yeah. She's, sick. she's sick still. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, knowing from that, there's no scientific basis for race. Like, race is a made-up thing. Um, Carl, yeah. Carl all, all those all those things, like Marxists, all them, all them kind of things. The concept yeah. of race isn't found in your genetics. Um, and so... I'm not sure why, but you know that there's this genetic testing, there's this ancestry.com and all of that. Um, yes. A lot of people would pinpoint their DNA and find out that they're actually part African, you know. And then when people find out this new information about their heritage, it often sets them in a complicated place of yeah. my, my self-identity. Wait, I'm a part African? Now it's like their whole worldviews mixed up because it's like, wait, I've got black in me, you know? Then yeah. they'll be like, hey, babes, you know I'm actually black. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> very funny that. And then some people won't want to come into agreement with it. Yeah. Um, so some would say that it's the rape, like the Africans raped someone in my in my heritage, in my, in my lineage. Do you know what I mean? Like the slaves done something. So to some people finding out that they're part African, they feel vulnerable. Um, they even find, they even feel defensive. Um, whilst other people kind of celebrate their discovery of finding out that they've got African in them. So a lot of people, um, white identity, like they said that basically white identity trumps their DNA. Um, if okay. if a, a genetics test, an ancestry test comes back and it's disruptive to how I view myself, I'm going to rationalize it away and kind of put it to the side so I don't have to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, who was it? There was this guy, I can't remember his name, but he said, right, if you look in the mirror, if you look in the mirror, like as a white person, if you look in the mirror, do you see an African? And if your response is no, then he says, you're cool then. Do you get? So like... That's a powerful statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear about your roots and then you say, listen, I'm still going to call myself white anyway. I'm still going to call myself Italian. Do you get me? And yeah. it's like we're now coming to a realization that race isn't genetic, but it's more so yeah. about your culture and your physical appearance. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just a lot of people don't want to come into agreement with it. Um, Ancestry.com shows a lot of people that they're actually from Africa and they just yeah. they don't want it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm going to say then, like, even with what you said, and obviously, like, um, even when I was reading up a lot more about the racism stuff, I, I came across the whole, like, you know, race is literally a um, man-made concept, if I can say, say that, literally. And obviously, like, even the terminology of white and black, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask then, like, so I'm going to ask now, like, <sighs> so almost as if, like, because what we're actually seeing now then is, is is the power of an idea and a concept that has been pushed upon us in where, because me personally, I identify myself as an African. I tried not to use the word 
black or whatever mm-hmm. as much because I'm like it's, it's a terminology that just that's, as a label has been put on me that's 300 years old or so rather than obviously African is something that's my ethnicity and, and, uh, and the Bible doesn't even address colour of skin in that sort of context it addresses ethnicity of, of, where, of where I'm actually from so the question I kind of asking then is then um, the whole issue to cover up then how does this feed into um, the whole phrase or terminology of white man's religion then what would you say the, the goal or um, or the purpose is sort of behind that to for that to be something that to the point where now people have an issue to even accept there's any element of them that's African uh, to the point whereby we're willing to say no, you know, I mean, cover it up. Does, is what I'm saying making sense? Kind of. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, I'm I'm saying then how or oh, um. Why do you think race has played such a major role in, in how and why Christianity is where it is today in, 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 in where it's even now being terminalized, being a white religion or is being whitewashed? I think obviously the, the, the slave trade was monumental. Um, okay. it, was, it was a huge factor in regards to how we viewed ourselves. Um, like I showed in the previous slides, um, the Greeks brought up the terminologies like Ethiopia meant burnt face. Mm. Um, and all of those kinds of things when the semantics is very important in regards to doctrine um i feel like it's something that i've really been breaking away from as of recent semantics i think the labels that we ascribe to ourselves the things that we say are Mm. very important and i'm not trying to be highly spiritual here but when you throw labels upon a person the labels Mm -hmm. stick you know call someone stupid for five years they grow up believing that they're stupid and when you continue to do that and force feed it into people it just becomes a part of who they are so white man's religion i think that is very interesting that the topic that we're addressing is christianity not being a white man's religion mm-hmm. it's not a white man's religion it's not mm-hmm. and god's not the god of the black man he's not the god of the white man you know that's mm-hmm. not even a real thing god is the god of mankind Literally. Um, but we've thrown labels on each other to to limit each other like even in our ethnicity things, it will say black African or black yeah. Caribbean. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. African, it should just be Caribbean. Do you know what I mean? Literally. Like, but we we we've done it to ourselves. We put ourselves in categories and boxes and labeled ourselves as this and you are that. And that's that Greek ideology again that came in. So we we have to be aware of it and and undo it. But you can't do that unless you're aware of the history. You know so. I don't know, man. I think I think it would be a healthy practice to just say I am African. Please don't call me black. <laughs> real talk, mate. Some some think that's a bit too deep, but it's it's that real. Because I no, think. But, yeah. look, 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 sorry, sorry for cutting you, bro. Okay. A light skin, dark skin thing now. Boy, where does that Boy. come from? Where Boy. does that come from? Do you see Boy. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the constructs that cause us to fight against each other. Do you get what I'm saying? And it should never be a skin tone thing. It should never be that. But we've done it. And I think because it's been fed upon us, like the, the lighter ones were the house Negroes and the darker ones were the ones that were outside. Yeah. It caused this fracture. And now you're this one and I'm this one. You think you're yeah. better. And do you see what I'm saying? We have 100%. to understand it's difficult. It's really hard to do that. And, and you know what? And, and this is where I think the, the power of racism is in the, la- in, in the labels because... It's almost as if now we're even fighting for the label as a, some sort of affirmation. Even that now we're all fighting to, to have black history in the curriculum of, of history, whereas our history is history, full stop. 
you know what I mean? And the white man, sorry, has a part to play in it based on, <laughs> on what they did in the, the history, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And, and I, honestly, like, I, I just talk, I'm thinking, you know what? This will only perpetrate to the group until we disregard the label that has been given to us. And it goes back to the power of words and the power of, of, of what you're saying, what we actually say and how we actually give it life based on affirming it, you know what I mean, kind of thing. So literally, literally, I think that's one of the reasons why even after slavery and why I think even what the white, oh, sorry, so I'm looking at her white man, <laughs> what our blessed Caucasians, <laughs> the Americans did with, with the whole um, terminology is that they've, They've taken away the physical chains, but then, the, but then they've, they've allowed the the the, the um, psychological, psychological chains of it to be lived in through black, white, you know what I mean, and all of that sort of stuff. And the light skin, dark skin that we're actually fighting amongst ourselves. So to the point whereby, if I can keep them divided and keep them thinking and feeling that they're separate, then we're defeating them, and then they never actually come to a place where they can actually um, arise and be who they are, who they truly are as as actual human beings that happen to be of a darker skin tone, which yeah, is totally I think, I think, again, obviously, it's the system. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The system will keep us like that. Like, after, what, 1865, the Emancipation Proclamation, like, we were free from slavery, but we were still pushed to the ghettos and the swamps whilst the white people were pushed into these great suburban areas. We weren't given... We weren't given property. They were given property. They still had the wealth from the slaves. We yeah. didn't get no wealth. <laughs> Up until this time, there's been there's been nothing. Like we haven't been given nothing in regards to the, the labor that we've done. And so now there's still that separation. Like they had the no blacks allowed. Do you know what I yeah. mean? That's 50 that's years branded, ago, guys. That, bro, that's branded, <laughs> that's still branded in our minds, you know. That segregation, bro, the fact that we're still in council estates still keeps in our minds that, oh, my God, that's the white area. That place is posh. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so, again, bro, it's the mindset. It's difficult to break out of. But once difficult you're aware of it, out. you can do something about it. And that's why the black Hebrew Israelites and all those things helps with yeah. a lot of people's pain. Yeah. Because you grow up in these places, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's just, um, what's the word? We, we grow up in these places where... For example, Wald stripped his parents. You know when th when they bring the white child over to Ghana and they have to live with the Ghanaian parent for like a week, and it's like, oh my god, have you seen the way these people live? Like, <laughs> they could never survive in our context of living in an estate and whatnot. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's how we've always lived, and we can like we're trying to get into their area of being in the posh place. Yeah, that separation still creates yeah. the black and white narrative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's different with the system. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely systematic in its nature, yeah. literally in its essence. Which then brings me to ask thoughts on black liberation theology. Oh, um, black liberation theology. What can I say about black liberation theology? This is, black this is liberation theology is um, it's to do with all right. So it has its roots in the civil rights movement. Um, yeah. So it's, it's concerned with justice, like the poor in the weak. So they'll use that Isaiah 61 scripture, which is, I came to set the captives free uh, to visit those in prison and all the rest of it. So they would use that kind of scripture. Basically, black liberation theology makes the gospel relevant to the struggle of people who are oppressed. If you're oppressed, then black liberation theology caters towards you. So mm. Moses says, let my people go. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's kind of like helping people who have oppressed, who've, who've been oppressed to love themselves again. 
Um, so in the black liberation theology, it's trying to teach you to be both unapologetically black whilst mm -hmm. also being Christian at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when Jesus mm -hmm. says, I come to set the captives free, it's literally, this is for you. He's come to do this for you. Mm -hmm. And so the way they read the Bible is through the lens of their pain, mm -hmm. um, which can be dangerous, but I don't think it's dangerous in a lot of the theologians' ideas um, because the, they say that the Bible was written by oppressed people. So, for example, people were under Egypt and scripture was written. They were under um, Persians and scripture was written. They were oppressed by Babylon and scripture was written. They were oppressed by Greeks yeah. and scripture was written. They were oppressed by Romans and scripture yeah. was written. Everyone who wrote scripture was under oppression. So they say, yeah. to understand the scriptures, we have to, we can read it properly because we, we're oppressed as well. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, so they yeah. cater towards like your you being set free by jesus and say listen you can love yourself because jesus came for you mm. and that's liberation theology it's literally speak truth to power let my people go pro prophetically speak mm. into the system and and speak to social justice so that's martin luther king that's mm. black liberation theology speak truth to power for your people oh wow no literally yeah cause i haven't actually like gone into studying it a lot more Kind of probably heard more about it during this whole George Floyd situation and whatnot a bit more. And obviously, I think that situation kind of shed a bit of light amongst the racial divide within the church. And then obviously this sort of black liberation theology started to come up a lot more. The social injustice um, argument, whether that's biblical or not, came into wow. the play as well, all that, all that stuff, literally. So, um, yeah, literally, it, it was nice to hear that that brief breakdown in regards to what they're saying. And you, you it's a very powerful statement in regards to even the whole the people who writ the word were, were under oppression, which I think does give a um, a, a peculiar insight to maybe us um, um, being able to be in the writer's shoes to understand maybe a, a fuller aspect of what's being written that might be common to the man that has just had freedom all his life. So I definitely definitely head that out. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's a valid valid, valid point. On, on all terms so no definitely um is there a need then for more black theologians hmm. um, is there a need for more black theologians do, do you know <laughs> something um yeah. the truth about it is all of us are theologians all of That's us yeah. hey i'm a wavelength bro <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we're all theologians like, as long as you study god study scripture you're a theologian it, it doesn't you don't have to have a qualification to be a theologian however an academic theologian someone who studied theology absolutely mm -hmm. i think there's a huge necessity for that representatives of black let me just say or right, african people who you know have studied <laughs> theology. um yeah. Yeah, I think personally, I go to I go to theology school now. The representation of black people in my theology school is like. I'm gonna ask as well. <laughs> what two percent? <laughs> bro, I'd say I saw none when I went there last time, mate. <laughs> yeah, bro, I'd, I'd say there's literally out of let's just say that there's about three hundred people. Yeah. I'd say there's probably about fifteen black people. Wow, what are you talking about students and I think as well? Then, I'm yeah, students and faculty, faculty, okay. Yeah, I'm just giving a round number that let's just say it was 300, there would be 15. Um, and so just that alone, when it comes to things like community in theology school, like a lot of the people who are on campus feel mm. left out by the things that are happening in theology school by wow. fellow Christians. 
you know, and so just yeah. that alone makes a lot of black people drop out of theology school because there's lack of representation. Wow. Wow. And so those things are really disheartening. And then you don't have a lot of academics who have studied theology. So, yeah, man, I think, I think, I think it is vitally necessary for there to be more black theologians. I think it, it shows other Christians that you can do it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I think, I think a hundred percent we need it. We need it. And I, and I think, like, even maybe myself taking another aspect of looking at it as well, I think there's also something to be said about maybe how the projection of the whole black man don't read, or, you know, so black people don't read, um, and then the whole projection that's been put upon black Christians who don't know the scripture and are very emotional and that's, you know, praise and hallelujah, you know what I mean, where... I kind of sometimes feel like the more we hear those sort of things or the notices are pushed, the more we feed into it. And maybe even us repeating the, um, what's the word to use now? Um, just, just repeating what our forefathers did who who um, who probably didn't go to academic theology school and that's, you know, were verified as ministers just based on believing what the denomination believed. There's sometimes maybe a, a bit of ignorance to maybe wanting to pursue a theological career. And then there's even the whole, um, what's I going to say now? The whole um, 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 even element of where if you look go back to William Seymour, where mm -hmm. there was even a desire to learn amongst the white counterparts, you know, there was rejection. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. The whole, the whole, this, the, the whole birth of, of a black church was because they weren't allowed to go to church with the white people, so to speak. So there, there's there's a, there's an interesting relation, and, and he gave birth to Pentecostals, who people argue are, are, are the most less read, you know, or, 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 the, or the most biblical illiterate people on the planet, you know, which birthed out of a man who wanted to learn the Bible and was told to read to listen to sermon from the doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think there's narratives gone. I think very interestingly, when you're in theology school, they will have like they don't I don't think they do this on purpose, but okay. You all right, in my second session on this, I showed the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Yeah. yeah. And they would say that <laughs> tradition, tradition is Roman Catholics, yeah. They're very traditional. Yeah, they would say uh, scripture is Anglicans. Yeah, okay. they would say reason is, I believe, the Methodist. Then they would say experience, charismatics, Pentecostal. And and <laughs> the, idea, the idea is that we're just fully experiential, yeah. and all we care about is giftings. Yeah, you know what I mean? and yeah. because of that. Yeah, when you see a black person like myself walking around with a new era hat in theology yeah. school and I'm having this kind yeah. of conversation, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, so, yeah, man, we need we need more, man, through and through, bro. More. To know that, I think it was Susan was saying earlier, yeah, uh, that there was a black man who wrote a commentary. Yes, Tony Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could tell me about that, I can't remember what she was saying. What she said. Okay, yeah. So, so Tony Evans is um, a well-renowned Bible teacher. He um, pastor of Oakleaf Bible Fellowship, I believe, in Houston, Texas. He, he's been teaching the Bible for phew, forty years, maybe now or so, fifty, fifty years or more. So, um, obviously, back in the day, he had a white mentor. Um, uh, um, and um, he mentor wanted to kind of bring him in. But back in the day in America, you know, radios was was the main show. So they wanted to bring him to do, you know, radio 
um, show to be one of the main radio show hosts. And there was a lot of um, rejection when it came to him doing it because he was a black um, Christian. Um, and he's even been in circumstances where he's only been invited to speak because they know his stuff is solid, but they don't really want to accommodate who he is as a black theologian. Uh, and to the point whereby he's actually on paper, you know, um, on a publishing level, the first black um, um, uh, um, theologian to, to write a commentary, the first one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure, I, I, well, maybe not in history, obviously, but yeah, in recent history, he's the first modern, his, modern history, the first to write um, a black, um, a black person, sorry, to write a, um, a Bible commentary. As you guys probably know, there's bare commentaries out there. You know, we've got our Matthew Henry's, we've got our John, John MacArthur's, we've got, we've got, we've got a whole bag of them. And it's only in 2020, I believe it was this year, it came out that, that he's the first black person to write a commentary <laughs> on the Bible. I mean, yeah, by the grace of God, Paul. <laughs> fam, I think as I was saying, like, you know, the civil rights movement wasn't that far away ago. Um, it wasn't 60 years, so 40 years ago, 50 years ago, yeah. literally. And I think we've made good ground, personally. We have. We have, think, we have, we uh, have. Uh, uh, obviously, the prosperity gospel is still around. Um, mm. There are elements of truth to it, but mm. we really do subscribe to throwing our opinions on the Bible and whatnot. But mm. I really do see a hunger for sound doctrine now in yeah. this generation. I believe the next generation will benefit from that. And so I think we're making good grounds. And I think mm. in our, our lifetime, we're going to see a lot of more black theologians. I, just I think we are. Fight you know young black people right now on fire for god and everything else i think that we're going to see something transformational in this generation 100 percent. and i feel one of the reasons for that is that i think we're in a time where it's real recognized real for real and, and especially generation said we, we can't fool them with church they want to know if this god is real show me your god kind of thing you know what i mean kind of thing and you know they want to know what his word actually means and like, i feel like it's beautiful because obviously even with the prosperity gospel and I, th I think i've got a bit of um empathy in that area there where i feel like a nature of it i feel like god was professionally speaking to people who were under oppression who were suffering from a poverty mindset yeah. I, when i when i when i kind of boil down to it, i, I try to look at the origins it's reasoning and i feel like especially for the american you know society that it was in i feel like there's an element of where god was speaking prophetically to the the people there in regards of you know having a renewed mindset or maybe god being um, God caring about their condition and well-being beyond heaven and hell. You know what I kind of thing. Obviously, there's obviously extremes to every doctrine that we preach in regards to what we say about it. And I feel like we're in a time where there's a people as ourselves who are in a generation whereby, yes, obviously racism is still there, systematic oppression is still there, but we, we our opportunities are different to, compared to our mothers and fathers. You know, I'm second, I'm second generation, actually not third generation. Nigerian in London, my parents came here in the 80s and whatnot. You know, they had to hustle and strive to, to, to be where I freely get into now, my age, based on my opportunity levels. I feel that the reality that I'm living that's completely different to somebody leaving Nigeria to come to London to study and to have kids, whereby um, even how the gospel is preached and how the word of God is related, where there's something more to. Um, it being something that I can do on my own and what I don't need God to do, if, if you get what I'm saying kind of thing here. And I feel like um, the, 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 there's, there's not a struggle 
perspective to reading the word, more so a, a, a perspective to reading the word that actually, actually, you know, show me who this God is. And if he's real, let me see what I can do as I collaborate and partner with him. So there's, there's even a pressure, I believe, in generation for us to really see that book of Acts 101 all over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Serve on God, have I not? But in the name of Jesus, <laughs> cut your mat and walk. I feel, I feel, I feel like there's, a, there's a purity um, of, 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 of the and sincerity of the word to be made flesh in our time that's beyond the gimmicks of what can God do for me now? Okay, what can we do with God? I really do. You know what I'm saying? So, fam, I, I really do, man. And I feel, cause look, I think you spoke about it yesterday as well. There's, there's a reason why the new age is popping right now. You know, there's a reason why all these things are popping. They're speaking to something that I think we as Christians have spiritualized, almost even demonized, should I even say, feelings, emotions. I, I grew up in a time being a Christian where you talk about how you feel, like you're just demonized. I have to tell you the time. It's the point whereby we got older and we thought, oh, I can imagine how I felt means I'm not saved enough. You know what I mean? Or, or there's something yeah. wrong with my salvation. You know what I mean? And, oh, and, and right now, I'm doing a mental health discussion on Tuesdays um, um, with another um, trainee psychologist. And we're going through the word and going through like the wisdom of the world in regards to like, you know, mental health, anxiety and stuff. And I'm seeing how much there is in the word of God that talks about the condition of the soul. It's, the Bible touches every dynamic of life. Guys, every single thing you could ever think and you can know about your life is in that it's loaded but it's multi-dimensional Brother, the soul <laughs> is so important when it comes to christianity man we, we have we have to get that in line like i i don't understand people who say that like if you join in the conversation with mental health as a christian like you failed i don't understand that like our mental well-being is so important for our representation of jesus christ alone you know Bro, a lot of people will use that scripture, uh, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, yeah? Yeah. And tell you that you need to deny your emotions as well. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. Bro. That scripture is talking about denying your self-centeredness, denying your self-worship and allowing God to be God, like allowing God to take full control over your life. And so self-esteem, self-value, self-respect, self-worth yeah. are things yeah. that Christians need. If you don't have that, then you're living in a life of rejection and hurt. And that's why it's like the representation that we have, we can't really let our light shine. We don't really know if we should put this on social media because it looks like I'm trying to get clout and whatnot and whatnot. And the truth is, God said, like he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Then he said, love others as you love as yourself. You as much as I love myself and view myself and view God, self-esteem, self-value, self-respect is necessary. But that's, necessary. A mental, that's a mental thing. That's a like we need to get there. And a lot of Christians bro. have been taught to reject themselves, bro. It's crazy, bro. bro. You know, you but, know, if you read Romans 12, 1 and 2 properly again, and even Paul talking to society, yeah, you have to use the word body because obviously there's a whole worship element of like body being separate from spirit and whatnot. And he tells us in verse two that the only way we're transformed into the reality of what Christ is, is in us is through the renewing of your mind. Can we deep it, please? When you get yes. saved, your spirit man is quickened. You come back to life. Your spirit man comes to life. But he tells me the reality of being transformed presently in this life right now is through changing how I think. Metamoya, repent, change your ways. And I, and I, and I think... Like, yeah, 
Oh, I don't want to start preaching now, but yeah. <laughs> Literally, no, it's, it's, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. And I feel the reason why what you just said there, the reason why Christians are still bound is because we fail to connect the, the, the Christian thinking with, with our spiritual reality of what Christ has done. So it's almost as if like, yeah, I'm justified. And the sanctification process has been complicated to look like one way. If, if anything, sanctification has been given rules and regulations of that you have to look this way. And if it's not this way, then you're not actually saved. So what's <laughs> happening? What's happening? We've, we've, we've disregarded grace and um, we're given a lifestyle of works. Yeah. Yeah. And it literally just comes down to that Galatian scripture. Like, it who told you to in the spirit and now you're trying to do it by the flesh in Christ? Yes. What, what Christ has done is, is Christ has literally self-effort dies in Christ. You yeah. no longer have to work. And now yeah. you live by the spirit. You no longer mm. have to work to appease God. You mm. know, so in Christ, self-effort dies. Mm. No longer do you need to like, feel like you need to go into sackcloth and ashes to be right mm. with God. You're right mm. with God. And that correct thinking transforms the way that you now carry yourself when you approach the Bible. It starts to renew everything that's going on inside of you. Like, And so the mindset that we have as Christians is absolutely crucial to living a life of victory. Mm, and I think sure. a lot of us. A lot of us are looking to the spiritual realm and saying, God, do this for me. When God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything. Uh, and yeah, God yeah. is saying, God, come down and speak to me. But he's giving you his word so he can speak to you through his word. It is a mindset shift. It's a mindset shift. Bro. Bro. Mindset shift. <laughs> it's a mindset shift. And, and I feel like there's a redemption of Christian thought, of, of, of Christians being allowed to think. Because uh, what happened as well, bro, people were demonized for asking questions. A lot of my friends that I don't know say it anymore, it's because they had questions, bro, that pastors couldn't ask <laughs> answers, should I say so. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's this thing of where people are, and, and obviously we know that the, the mind is a battlefield as well. We know that even when it comes to strongholds, that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of the mind, arguments of the mind that are coming against the, the, the knowledge of God. And, we, and there's something happening in here that if we don't allow what's being written to meditate upon it and to even challenge or to reframe it, that there's a losing battle on a hold of, of God's word being esteemed as it should be. And where now we, we go back into the worship of self where we, where we esteem what we think and feel above what God actually, or who God actually is and what he actually says. Bingo. 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 And sometimes, I tell you all the time, I tell you, like, when I testify about being set free from masturbation and... Um, and pornography, I said, guys, trust me, man, I did, I did the deliverance thing, a little, all that sort of stuff. The day I really got free, bro, was the day that I said, I believe I am free. The, the, <laughs> the day I, I got free. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying the next day I didn't feel temptation. I felt it. But I had to tell myself, Ayo, you are dead to this thing. Come on, my brother. To the point whereby, even me confessing that, I had to point my mind on Christ, that eventually... I don't even know. I can't give you a date Ooh. where the patient went away. My fixation on Christ allowed whatever was kind of holding me to let loose because I had shifted my thinking to believe what it is that God had said. Romans chapter 6, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Whoever has died to sin has been set free from the power of sin. We live by faith, not by sight. You are not your temptation. You're not, you're not your feelings. You're not your, any of those things. Like Christian walk is literally, I take what God says and I do what I believe, therefore I speak. 
And what I've spoken, I now follow through through what I actually live out. And I even want to encourage the people today, like, like the word of God can quicken you to life. It's active, wow. it's living, and it's appropriated not by actions or trying to manifest it. It's action by you believing it and then actually doing it. You understand? So, so yeah. So, yeah, go ahead, bro. I didn't even show your it, screen. It, brother, <laughs> no, like, do you know what? The scripture is clear. It says, the mind of the flesh. Yes. Mind of the flesh is yes. hostile to God. Yes. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. The mind of the flesh. So we need to recognize when we were born again, our spirit man was free. But then you're born into a battle between the spirit and the flesh. There's a battle going on. And mm. so it's whether you want to listen to the flesh or listen to the spirit. But there's a middle person called the soul. The soul. And that soul is the person, the mind, will and emotions. Yes, the spirit sir. is set free. You can yeah. choose to live by the spirit or be governed by the flesh. But the Bible yeah. says the mind of the flesh. Then we, yeah. it says we have the mind of Christ. Yes. The mind we're talking mind. about here. When you in the mind is the middle place. You choose yeah. whether you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice or yes. if you want to follow the flesh. It's up to yeah. you. But the yeah. Bible then tell you not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't go that yeah. way and be led yeah. by the spirit mindset. Yeah. So we're looking for the spirit of God to kind of usher us and be in holy spiritual and everything else. When God's saying, listen, just place your mind Mind. upon my word. Cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself. Come on. It's a a, a madness, bro. But yeah, it's a mind thing. It's a madness. Every high thing, stronghold, that that exalts itself. It's almost as if there's a battle in your mind to sit as king, to sit as throne. Whatever exalts itself. Whatever exalts it, guys. This is why you can't just read the words. Let the word of God read you. I tell my guys at church, I just say, look, the art of meditation, even in the Hebrew, it, 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 it's likened to a lion gazing at his prey. There's, there, 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 there's an intensity that I think we've lost when it comes to our uh, relationship with the word of God. The, the, Psalms 1 2 says, not meditate on, it says, meditate in the law. I said, there's, there's a revelation there in how it's not just supposed to be look upon. It's supposed to be wrapped in. The Bible says, put on the new man. The Bible says, put on Christ. There's something about being a believer that requires an engagement with, 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 with putting on, with, with actually living out, with actually applying what has been already freely given to you. Brother, do you know, do you know something so interesting? Yes, sir. Solomon uh solomon asked god for a a a discerning heart yeah so he knows how to manage manage the nations yes i think it's in the king james version he asked for a discerning heart but in the niv it says an understanding mind mind yeah 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 yeah. the bible uses the heart and the mind synonymously it's the same word yeah yeah Yeah? Yeah. and so the hebrew word for heart and mind is the word love yeah yeah. So when it says mm. out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, it's yes, really saying sir. out of the abundance of the mind. It's yes. the, when, when it's talking about heart, it's not talking about the organ that beats. It's not talking yes. about that. It's talking about the information that's stored yes. inside of the heart. Literally. And so the Bible uses the heart and the mind simultaneously. So out of the abundance mm. of the mind, the mouth speaks. Do you get yeah, what, yeah. what comes out of a person? What comes out of a person's heart? Evilness, yeah. drunkenness, da, da, da. it's talking about your mind. Yeah. Which is why Jesus basically says, that he's come, he's come 
like bro it's so mad like all right so even the ones like um what's the other one not if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light there's another one there's another scripture which speaks about the mind i'm um, uh, sorry the heart man looks on the outward appearance god looks at the heart right all of those whether, kinds of things yeah whether it's whether your treasure is your heart is also wait yeah exactly yes. your heart is also but your heart beats it's not talking about the beating and the rhythm of your heart it's talking about the information that's stored and so when we actually think about our mind we point up here yeah but no one can actually define scientists don't know where the mind is <laughs> if i ask you where is the mind you won't be able to show me on the body yeah you'd think up here because that's where all of like your head like you're you're really heady but the yeah. mind is all over it's the reason why your body automatically moves when danger comes your brain didn't think about that something just jolted you yeah. right and so it's what's been gathered inside of us the 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 impurity that's been around of us and all of that jesus literally has to deal with it and give us a new spirit a yeah. new heart i have put in you yeah. Like you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so he yeah. gives us a new mind, and then we worship God through that. Yeah. You worship God through your mind, you worship God through your heart. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that needs to change. If we're yeah. worshiping from the heart or from the mind, then we yeah. have to actually read the scriptures through that place as well. Yeah. We have yeah. to be smart, man. That's powerful, man. As a man thinketh in his in heart, his heart. So very powerful scripture, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My wife has written a book called Atomic Habits, I think. And, and this is what the guy told me, just changing thought processes. And he and I think, what was it again, babes? You have to believe it. Something about when you believe something, um, it, it, and psychology, like, somehow, it wasn't him. No, uh -oh. it was, um, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> oh, that was um, doctor, she's a doctor, neuroscientist. Oh, Caroline Leaf. Yeah. Caroline Leaf, yeah. But she said, it'll um, louder, you know, they can't hear you from here. Oh, cognitive, yeah, come, 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 it's okay. Look, come on the camera, let's talk to the mic. It's called cognitive congruence. So, in new neurology, basically, in terms of neuroscientists, they deal with the brain and stuff, and the things that are in the brain that basically trigger certain chemicals and levels that obviously produce particular habits outwardly, yeah. Um, so there's a thing that she called they call co cognitive congruence, which is basically um, when we say something with our mouth, yeah. and so affirmations. So we can say, I am good at this, yeah. right? So we can say it multiple times, but the brain needs your heart to basically, you've got to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it can't, the affirmations can't fully manifest themselves. Yeah. So there's power in speaking these things. It has, it's been proven that there is a, there is a reaction that happens in the body when we speak positively, yeah. but for there to be longevity based on what we speak, longevity. we have okay. to like believe, believe it. it and then speak it. So there's no fake it until you make it when it comes to the body. And so just as <laughs> hey! what Paul was speaking about that I believe so therefore I speak okay so in essence like the word of God has all of has a formula for how we are to operate as human beings yeah. but it's up to us as to whether we adapt to that or not believe Whereas it in, or not yeah 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 so, which goes into my point guys what I'm saying is that the bible says when it's 10 believe in where your heart and confess where with your mouth and you, there, there's a relationship mm -hmm. between what i think 
in essence, what I actually, what you actually think, what you actually really believe, and what I say. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole essence and the reason why we read the word of God, we maintain the word of God, is that we're trying, we want God's thoughts, God's perspective. We want God's way to become our way, which eventually should change how we speak if his word is actually being hidden in our hearts. And I, I'm only echoing that part because I thought it was powerful that it took belief for there to be longevity upon what I say. That's why when I said I got set free from masturbation and pornography, I said the foundation of that freedom was that I said I believe, and I believed it. <laughs> and to this day, I believe it and I'm free, that I have been set free from the power of, of, of that addiction. I, I, I just want to echo that because I feel like that has to, that has to be the sure foundation. We, we, we are saved by grace through faith. We live by faith, not by sight, senses. Jesus. Jesus. Something about faith, you know, and even today I was, I, was, I was in my daily walk and I was thinking that anxiety is living life running all the time. And I linked it back to the, the pace of life being that God called me to walk by faith. There's something about taking one step at a time. Mm -hmm. and something about me living, I've been today, today's scripture was Matthew 6, 33 and 34. That today has its own trouble, Ayo. Don't worry about tomorrow. And I, I realised that everything stress-related, anxiety-related has to do with me trying to control something out of my present moment That's in it. the future. That's it. That's it. And God liking that thinking to pagan, Gentiles. And says, even now, bro, he said in his word, the, the sparrows, the birds, they don't, they don't sow, they don't reap, yet I feed them. Are you not more valuable? Valuable self-worth. <laughs> Are you not more valuable? It's my guy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm thinking, raw. is my anxiety driven for what I believe God thinks and feels about me that I now have to hustle hard on my own? Mm -hmm. And again, what is that? That's being led by the flesh. Well, okay. Depending on the spirit. Okay. Anxiety is future driven. It's all future based. It's me worrying about my tomorrow. God yeah. says, don't worry about that. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests made known unto God. Oh. And the peace of God will rule in your hearts and minds in Christ. Oh. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, when I got the sweet, you know, I can't rely. <laughs> your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ. Well, oh, it's nine, it's nine o'clock. We could be here all night, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna behave myself and eat my dinner, bro. But, bro, oh, thank you. I, I don't know how we got here, but uh, we bless God. <laughs> Clearly, there's a tag team preach pending to happen, bro. But yeah, <laughs> guys, I hope you were blessed by these last four weeks. I hope you guys have enjoyed even tonight's session where we've gone from talking about Q and about about Christianity. Um, white man's religion, blackness, all that good stuff, and we end up discussing the mind. Clearly, that must be a, a rhema word in there for somebody or for all of us on this life tonight. Um, we're going to be actually doing a new topic next month about when men hurt. I encourage you, mandems, if you're here, bring your pops, bring your uncles, your brothers, all of that good stuff. We're going to be touching about on pain, 
we're touching upon how men respond to pain uh, and how God has helped us heal us through our journey of pain and where we are now. So I want to encourage you guys. It's going to be a phenomenal time next month. But once again, Omar, honestly, thank you so much. I, I honour you. I thank you for your labour for these last three weeks. It's been phenomenal, literally, man. So thank you so much. Guys, we're going to love you and leave you. Have a beautiful, blessed week. And see you all next Monday, 7.30 sharp. Peace.